Welcome to the GoTo Podcast. Each episode covers the brightest and boldest ideas from the world's leading experts in software development. Tune in for practical lessons, compelling theories, and plenty of inspiration. GoTo gathers the brightest minds in the software community to help developers tackle projects today, plan for tomorrow, and create a better future. Stay up to date with the latest in tech through GoTo's top-rated events held online and in person in cities like Amsterdam, London, Copenhagen, and Chicago, and by subscribing to the GoTo Conference's YouTube channel, where you can find thousands more high-quality dev talks. Learn more at gotopia.tech. Hi, my name is Eric Johnson, and we're here in Amsterdam for GoTo Amsterdam. And this is GoTo Unscripted, and I'm here with Anna. Anna, why don't you tell us a little about you? Hey, Eric, it's good to be here. Um, I'm Anna. I'm working as a developer advocate for Red Hat, and uh, I have a great passion for Kubernetes. Everything's related to Kubernetes and Java. So these are my greatest passions, Java and Kubernetes. And when I found ways to work to, together with both of them, I'm the happiest developer ever. Wow. They, they picked either the right person or wrong person to interview you. Uh, so this should be fun because one, I can't spell Java. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I took a Java class. When I, first language I ever took, someone said, you should start with Java. And that was a disaster. So uh, why, why Java? Why are you so passionate about Java? The passion for Java started in university uh, when, of course, probably like many of the students of the, um, in computer science uh, like 10-ish years ago, um, we were learning first C, C++, and all those uh, nice languages that were like uh, dealing with memory allocation. So when I heard about Java that doesn't have all these concerns of like thinking about memory allocation and working with pointers, I was like, I need to give this a try because it does doesn't work with pointers anymore. Okay. So that's where the Java part started. And I had um, a Java class that was like uh, given by a very passionate person. And it's very important like, when you're starting with a language, you to get to know it from somebody very passionate. Yeah. It gives you, it can transfer you that passion. And I just stayed like that. Well, down the road, I actually program with others as well, with PHP. Um, I also um, use, uh, from time to time, I also use Node.js. It's not that I'm not acknowledging the rest of the ecosystem as well, but Java has been like my first and still uh, my main, main love. Wow. So, yeah, so I, I do a little Python. Uh, I do a little JavaScript, which, you know, it's probably a year into it before, it's not the same as Java. <laughs> so, and I never understood that naming, but there it is. So um, I'm more of an architect, so I, I know I didn't say it in my introduction, I actually work for AWS. Uh, I am a developer advocate as well, so I love that that's what you're doing. Um, tell me, and, and we're gonna get to the Kubernetes part. I haven't forgot it, we're gonna, we're gonna come back Come on, around. it writes on me uh, like Kubernetes. I know, I know how to say it, yes, Kubernetes, Kubernetes. yes. Uh, why is the net uh, all capital. Is there a reason for that? Uh, I don't know. Okay. But I, right. I love the cool t-shirt. It is a cool t-shirt. Yeah, and I actually, love that shirt. I love, I love it very much because it has also the name of uh, another great colleague of mine, Burr, okay. Burr okay. who's also giving a talk here at the Go to Amsterdam. Nice. So I felt like, yeah, I'm going to meet Burr today. I'm going to wear this t-shirt to nice. honor him. Nice. All right. So tell me uh, developer advocate role. Why developer advocate? Why did you choose to be a developer? Uh, I chose to be developer advocate um, Less than a year ago, by okay. the way. 
so I'm new to the field, uh, but I chose uh, this career change um, because I wanted to be even closer to communities, to developers, and to share my knowledge with everyone and as much as possible. And I saw this role as a possibility of sharing knowledge, of building new knowledge and learning new stuff and contributing to new stuff even more than I was what I was doing in my previous role as, as architect. Um, I I don't um, I loved my previous role. Yeah. I love this one as well. Sure. Uh, and it I found it uh, well. It's challenging, but it's also very rewarding in terms of when you're building uh, tutorials, workshops, uh, content for folks to learn from practices when you're uncovering practices and you have the freedom to share them with the world like hey look what i found yeah. this is amazing it's an amazing feeling uh, as a developer advocate um, and uh, i can say that um, I, I love this role and uh, the, the possibility it gives me to talk to so many people hear about their challenges as well and actually uh, take those um, those challenges and think about how I can use the knowledge I have and the technologies I have access to to actually improve their life, improve what they're doing. Yeah, it, it seems like, it, it, you know, I've, I was a solutions architect beforehand and I have so much I want to tell people. It's like, we don't want to hear it, just do your job, <laughs> right? But in this role, we're encouraged to learn it and tell people about it, you know? And exactly. so I, I love that you said that. Uh, you're obviously passionate about it. Uh, yes. And you're passionate about teaching people. Yes. Um, is that is that where the energy comes from? Is that where the charge comes from? Yes. Yeah. I okay. actually, I, I recharge when I'm talking to folks, when I'm hearing questions, even the tough questions that I don't have an answer on the moment and I need to document myself. I love those questions. I love to find out, um, at, okay, I there are different scenarios I didn't think about or others didn't think about that I can take home and like, oh, let me try this. Let me yes. try this. And it's it's so it's so rewarding and and and, and great. I, I used to do this before, but in a, at a smaller scale because you know, as an architect, you dedicate pretty much to a certain product or mm -hmm. project, mm -hmm. um, and you're just uh, looking to the shape of that and maybe interacting, of course, with the um, end users' view or with some business views. But uh, you don't get to end up with the entire world of developers right. with so many uh, challenges. <laughs> Because companies are different, they have different challenges, yeah. different cultures, and this one is like even more recharging. The light bulb. Yes. You see the light bulb coming in somebody's eyes and it's yes. like, my job here is done. Yes, I, I very, I'm very much happy when I get feedback, when people are telling me that they understand some concepts yeah. once they saw them. And that's actually what we're working on as developer advocates to transform those concepts the hard, that are, seem hard to grasp mm -hmm. in something easier to understand. It's not like to make things even more complex. <laughs> there is enough complexity in this world. We just, you know, do this part of the content creation so that people would understand um, even better those hard to touch concepts. It's almost like there's not enough 100 level content. Yes. And that's what I feel like, my, I mean, obviously we have to do the, the 400 level as well, but that's a conversation we have internally as well as, man, we need to turn on more light bulbs. We need to see more people at that starting point. Because you always struggle, from my end point, you know, I, I, when I see someone working on something, it's like, there's a better way to do that. And, and let me just, just, just stop for a second. Let me give you, let me show you some one, let me just show you how to get started with this. You know, for me, it's serverless, uh, you know, or, or it's architecture or it's, you know, there's all kinds of things, but it's that. And, and then you see them go, wow, <laughs> you yes. know, well, this is awesome. And, and, 
uh, I, you know, I've now, I don't want this recorded, but I, I would do this for free if I, you know, if I had to, uh, and my wife's like, no, no, you're not. But uh, it, that's the pay, right? Is, is seeing the light bulb come on. Yes. Um, that's a, that's a great advantage of uh, doing this role that you can enable so many folks. Um, and, let's face it, in our previous roles, we actually learned from That's other right. developer That's advocates right. and thanks yeah. to those tips. And I remember me as an attendee, and I'm still an attendee at many conferences, including this one, because I'm going to attend some talks as well. Um, I used to go to conferences for uh, the idea of getting training in a more relaxed way. So I was, I love to just, you know, have my coffee, sit in a chair sure. and like, oh, I will enjoy this. Uh, by the way, speaking of serverless, I got to hear about Knative uh, okay. at DevOps Belgium. Yeah, okay. I was like, you know, browsing the app, like Knative, this thing that makes serverless in Kubernetes uh, without, you know, depending on any function. Hmm, mm -hmm. that sounds cool. I, because I was actually asking myself at that time, like, isn't somebody inventing something that I don't depend on specific sure. function or something like this? I mean, maybe this Kubernetes thing can help. Yeah, yeah. And then I got there. I got to see the first demo with uh, with Knative, uh, and I was like so inspired. Like, and I was like, yeah, I got ideas now. Maybe I can fit this somewhere in the, in what I'm doing. Sure. So this is how you actually go forward. This is how innovation is going forward in, yeah. from many products in that we, all of us as humans, benefit um, from. It's not just the software companies that are the ones that are benefiting from all this technology shared at conferences, but also, uh, you know, uh, companies that are actually um, in, um, in a specific industry, like regardless if it's financial, uh, if it's e-commerce e and all this. So. It's it's always good to share and to and to learn more. Yeah, I, I think for us, and, and maybe this is repeated what I was saying earlier, but we spend. It's almost we're measured by how many pitfalls did I help you avoid? Pitfalls that I certainly fell into. Oh you yeah. Know, being you know because I started with certain touch service for I started with service one serverless was starting, right? I mean, I, I remember looking at it and going, why would you do it any other way? And and then I all you know, I, I did all the things wrong. I actually have a talk called The Five Things I Did Wrong in Serverless. And I did them with passion, you know? And so I can come to people and go, let me tell you what I did wrong and help you. And, and again, we measure that by how many pitfalls did I help you avoid? And it sounds like the same thing. Yes. You know? Well, it's good to like to share with uh, with folks and with uh, developers the good side of using technology, but also the not so good, the lessons learned. Lessons yeah. learned are very useful. So I remember back in the day um, when um, I was thinking, um, I was having this uh, situation when some uh, Docker Compose uh, scripts needed, YAMLs, needed to be transformed into Kubernetes resources. Okay. Uh, I knew that there was a plugin that could help me to do that out of the box, but thanks to going to a meetup and hearing the struggles of folks that use that one and told me like, yeah, it's, there's this plugin, but it's um, not 100% giving you the everything and you just push a button and then it's going to magically do exactly what you were imagining. <laughs> you still have to do it. You still have to check yeah. what it generated. Right, so, right. Uh, and thanks to that, uh, when I got to this part, uh, I was like, oh, I remember I had to talk with somebody who said this. So also the not 
the great stuff or didn't go doesn't go that well with a certain version of, uh, of yeah. a library of a framework of a product is good to know so that you don't go on that path uh, spend a lot of time and then I'll be disappointed that, well, um, it didn't work as expected. And it's good that you are sharing your lessons learned with serverless. There's always um, the technology, um, there's not just one technology that is like a bulletproof technology to, mm -hmm. against any scenario. Right tool, right job. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that as a DA, uh, we get kind of that license to say, that may not be the best fit. We, we're honest with them. You know, we're not, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to help you. And that's what like, you know, we always talk about. I don't have to sell serverless. I, don't, I just explain it. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's probably the same for you. Yes, it, exactly. It's more of a, if I explain it right, it, it sells itself, you know, as far as, and it sells probably not the right way, but you see people utilizing it. Um, but I do get to be honest and say, that's not a great fit. Uh, but I know something that is, and, and, and sometimes that is a container. You know, we're, we're very honest, you know, where we say, service is great for 95, whatever, you know, and I can show you, but there are some workloads that make a lot more sense in an in a EKS, exactly. which is our version of, you know, Kubernetes, you know, Kubernetes, yes. so yeah, yes. said that right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so. It makes sense, it makes total sense. And similar, sometimes when you're using um, even the same framework, it mm -hmm. can be the case that, configured in a way that framework gives great results for a specific type of microservice, but in another way you should like use a different patterns. It's not like everything is a giant copy paste. It's right. in, in, so it's everything you just need to readapt and see what is useful or not, especially when it comes to, to patterns. So for example, for one of my talks regarding Quarkus, I'm explaining why I would choose to use the repository pattern over the uh, using the Ponacci entity uh, okay. one, and I mean, in which cases I would use the other one, or I use the other one okay. because I saw some applicability. When in some cases it worked great, great, in some others it didn't. That's so right. you should be aware of instead of like you go on your own, you try and you see like ah, oh, but it doesn't do the same thing that this lady showed me in the nice demo. <laughs> you know, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the expectation to, to sometimes is code is perfect. You know, it's now. So, so tell me this, do you have any talks here at GoTo? Uh, yes, I just had my talk at GoTo. Uh, I was like early bird this okay. morning. Um, it involved Kubernetes, of course. That's why the shirt and course, everything. Yes. So I talked about Helm uh, and Kubernetes operators and pretty much explaining when I would use one or the other. Okay. So that people uh, would be aware of the use cases or when they could choose a one or the other uh, technologies. Um, the whole idea of this talk um, started, um, I think, two years ago. When I heard somebody that, well, they, they heard about Kubernetes operators, I was at the, conf at the conference, uh, and one of the attendees said, oh, this operators thing is way greater than Helm. I'm going to use it everywhere. I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. So that's why I got the, the idea of this talk, uh, so that people will not use it everywhere, but only when they need it. So tell me this, and obviously, working with service like I do, I know what operators are. I mean, come okay. on. But maybe let's pretend I don't. So what is an operator? What is an operator for Kubernetes? Um, an operator of Kubernetes, I would say it's, um, I put this, uh, is a technology that you can use uh, in order to, um, <clears throat> that you can use with uh, resources like stateful sets or um, resources that are 
not stateless in terms of um, maintaining. Uh, in order to automate some, um, some of your hu uh, human operational knowledge. So pretty much that was the idea of operators, to add an extra level of automation okay. on top of what was available in Kubernetes resources, because Kubernetes is great with its vanilla uh, resources. Um, but if you want to add more uh, self-healing to your resources, for example, um, especially well, stateful ones, which are very... Sure. Okay. Are, are very sensitive, yeah. um, then an operator is there to help you, like to automate more of your job and to delegate that operation, that uh, automation to Kubernetes. Um, so pretty much that I would say in a nutshell, that is an operator. Okay. Right. And uh, I, I didn't demo this. I uh, forgot about demoing this. I used to demo uh, the operators by deleting the deployment so that is managed by an operator and then the operator was spinning up the okay. deployment again because operators have this much more power over the resources contained in it to self-heal. So okay. if you want more self-healing, more goodness out of Kubernetes, operators are great. Okay, so it kind of sits outside and can manage. It's not necessarily outside. It's, um, okay. I would say it's a nice add-on because it's not, uh, it works with kubectl, it works with the dashboards that we have uh, okay. with, uh, with different Kubernetes distributions. So it's native. Um, it, and the reason why it's native because an operator is typically comprised from custom resource definitions, and it works um, with a controller that is, you know, controlling sure, sure. over those resources. <laughs> well <done. laughs> oh, controlling over those resources. So uh, that deployment being recreated one after I deleted it is actually done by that controller that is like mitigating, is looking like, hey. There should be a deployment running over there. So that's how things are working. It's just uh, another level over the regular uh, Kubernetes API that you get thanks to custom resource definitions. So custom resource definitions have been there for a while uh, with Kubernetes, but this type of uh, working with Kubernetes took an extra level for us to automate even better. I love operators in terms of um, doing those not so nice jobs of backups and restores. Okay. Uh, because um, when learning Kubernetes, I also did the Kubernetes hard way, uh, way of way of well. Way five of, things I did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's not five things I did yeah. wrong, which was more like learning. Mm -hmm. So you, um, especially when you want to get certified, you have to learn how to do this uh, okay. manually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did this manually. And when I was doing this manually, especially on the exam, uh, for backups, restores, and all this, or upgrades, I was like, I hope in this world there are better ways to do this <laughs> than me manually in a black terminal yeah. and hoping that I'm not messing up some some commands over here because I used to tremble over the rest, the uh, backups or the restores yeah, thing because yeah. it felt a little bit black boxed, you know, and operators are... Um, are great in terms of like not being so black box or at least you're you're trusting that you're trusting that um, that set of uh, of resources that they're going to do the job and okay. and nowadays it's easier to um, install different uh, plugins over Kubernetes via the operators than just uh, going yourself manually install the many YAMLs like we used to do it in the beginning. Yeah. So no more, um, I don't know, no more Knative installed <laughs> the old ways, the old-fashioned way. No more Istio installed um, via, um, you know, just applying a lot of YAML. 
you can get nice uh, UIs and uh, you can see, this is the great part, you can see uh, and you don't have to do anything extra with your Kubernetes cluster to know about an operator. So it's natively coming over there. You just have to create it. Sure, Or sure. you reuse one that's available on operatorhub.io. Okay. So, so yeah. it's, it almost, and, and I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but I'm probably going to do that. Uh, <laughs> or just completely misunderstand. But it's, it's an abstracted layer of management. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. All right. So that you can manage, uh, automate things even more. Got it. Okay. With uh, with those resources that you kind of um, had trouble. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, Helm charts work great. However, in terms of Helm charts and upgrades over the stateful sets, for example, that is uh, something that can be partially covered via um, the Helm package manager. Okay. Um, the other part with the volumes, so management of the volume side, it's something that you need an extra tool to help you with that one. Uh, while with operators, you can get a little bit uh, more help uh, in, in working all together with the entire thing that you deployed over there. Okay, nice. All right, so that makes sense. So how did the talk go? I think it went great. I got a lot of questions and uh, I was about to get late to the interview. Okay, <laughs> so. those are the good ones. It's that, the hallway <laughs> yes. track is my favorite. Uh, yeah, when you get to do that. What was the toughest question you got? I don't... I was not their tough question. <laughs> what, this one right here. <laughs> this one, yes. It was the question about my toughest question. So, the, yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. What was the most um, interesting question? So. I think that the interesting question was um, about uh, when when somebody asked, like comparing um, operators with Terraform. Oh, okay. So uh, it would give me the opportunity to explain when I would use Terraform and when I would use operators. Uh, so that people would understand, like, and not conf uh, become confused about the concepts, you know. Um, that was an interesting thing to, to hear about. Um, other questions were like, if there are any other tools, uh, like Helm, for example, in the, in the market to help with package management, with, you know, parametrizing and all these stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, these kind of questions are people detailing about their practices in their companies and looking for like advice, like oh, how can we make it better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love these kind of uh, discussions around also about culture and the DevOps culture that some uh, company has. Yeah. Um, and how they can communicate better uh, between uh, the two backgrounds, the operational and the developer ones. Uh, because we, you, let's face it, I mean, DevOps is a great practice. Um, we probably all, uh, all kind of, uh, you know, read the Phoenix Project or mm. those that didn't <laughs> recommend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's still something that uh, for many folks, it's a work in progress. And actually, it's good to be work in progress. It's not something that, oh, we achieve DevOps, we do DevOps. Yeah. And that's when it stops. I, I've noticed that as well. It feels like we go through, I mean, there's always, I mean, we're constantly learning. Our industry is one that's constantly flexing, constantly exactly. changing. Exactly. I want to go back to something you had talked about, you know, the process of communication, things like that. How does that, uh, how do you all do that inside of Red Hat? How do you, how do cus how does customer feedback come in as a, as a dev rel and how do you, how do you handle that? Uh, well, we, um, talk to the community, it's pretty uh, straightforward and mm -hmm. I think pretty much like in the same for the rest of the folks because we are with the communities most of the time. Okay. So I'm with the community as a developer advocate and I, that's where we get feedback from everywhere. Yeah, it's, not yeah. the, it's not just, um, I would say it's for products, 
especially nowadays, um, it's important to, uh, for them to listen feedback, not just from customer side, but also from community side. And as you, as you observe, there is a lot of, um, of passion of going open source throughout many companies. Red Hat has its flagship uh, around being open source yeah, and yeah. we are open source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we like to open source stuff. And that's uh, and um, so that's from my point of view. It's like an open conversation all the time yeah. with everybody, and every feedback counts and, and matters. It's not like somebody's uh, having a priority or something like this. So every every important and and sometimes you can get even more valuable feedback from folks that are not your customers. And uh, why aren't you a customer? Here's why. Yeah, no, I agree That's with that. That's not my talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not but, my area of expertise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, 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 that's what I'm saying. Sometimes that is good feedback. And the reason I'm not a customer is because this A, B, and C, uh, and, and those are the tough ones to take back to the teams. But yeah, I, I agree with that. I'll tell you as a side note, just so you know, first Linux I ever did was, was Slackware, but then I quickly got to Red Hat. I ran uh, Red Hat quite a bit. So yeah, so yes. The, uh, the that tells you how old I am, though. So yeah, I'm dating myself. Well, my family's, uh, my parents are not in IT, or my uncles or uh, my cousins have been for a short while interacting with IT. But when I I'm, I told my cousin, for example, that I'm joining Red Hat, she said, "Oh, the Linux company." It's like, you know, Red Hat. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised because it was the first time that I think that I've heard my family having an opinion and like, "Oh, I know where, what you're going to do next." Wow. Okay. And I was like. Yeah, they do much more than that, but it's it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a good it was a good start, and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, so my family knows about this. That's a good thing. So, do they understand what you do? Oh, uh, they know that I'm doing learning for other okay. folks, and that okay. I am, uh, you know, instructing other folks on how to use uh, certain technologies, and that's pretty much it. Okay, uh, yeah. that's where they. <laughs> Ours is a hard role to tell people about. It's always has been like that. I mean, yeah. it started from the developer from coding and yes. to upper level. And um, the way I used to explain it in the beginning to family, or, uh, actually, my parents kind of had to know it because I'm their kid. So. Mm -hmm. But with other folks like neighbors or folks that I was meeting, uh, I was still working. I'm working with computers. Oh, yeah, you're working with computers. Yes. It's the easiest explanation you can give. It works the best. So it works. I'm working with computers. Okay. There's a level of abstraction. Like I'll say, I'll do the same thing. You know, I'm a developer advocate for AWS. And you can see the glaze. I work for Amazon. Oh, okay. Do you, do, do, do you deliver? Yes, that's what I do. <laughs> Sometimes it's easier to say yes, oh. you know. Yes, I work in a distribution center. And somebody's calling you like, oh, can I give you this yeah. tracking number <laughs> to see what's happened with My it? My books are late. Okay, I don't do that. I lied just to make it easier on us, but yes, that's funny. So uh, it, it is a tough role to, to explain. But uh, So tell me this, if knowing this role, I, I, I'd love to kind of get your opinion because uh, I have people ask me because Here's the truth. We have one of the greatest jobs on the planet. It, 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 and I can see I by your face that you agree. Uh, and we earlier we said, you know, uh, how fun it is. But someone wanted to get into a DevRel role, either in Red Hat or at AWS, something like that. What is your recommendation? Uh, so for somebody to get into DevRel, uh, that's a generic answer from my perspective. Yeah. I would say to have a passion for continuous learning um, and also like look um, into our IT world, what other technologies would add to your existing layer of knowledge and how do you pair those together? Talk to people, 
have this passion of uh, talking to people, but also listening to people and their experiences, because listening is very important. So you have to be really, uh, to have some empathy with those that are coming to you and talking to you. And also uh, sometimes to be um, a little resilient in terms of accepting feedback, because it's not everything like fairy and yeah, nice and yeah. oh, everything goes smoothly. Yeah. Um, so you have to also be prepared for some negativity or for people not to grasp certain concepts from you. It's, it can happen. It's um, in a big audience room. It can happen that some folks will not have the same understanding as you probably would have wanted. Yeah. It's, you know, that saying is very difficult to keep everybody happy and yeah, make everybody yeah. happy. Yeah. It's the same here. So you have to be prepared for that one as well. Um, but overall, it's a very rewarding job, and this is probably why a lot of folks are asking. Yeah. Uh, but you have to be like prepared a little bit for the long run learning to the next level of connecting things and technologies. Um, so um, that's my uh, my advice. But if you feel that that's your calling and you want to do that, and interact with a lot of folks and instruct a lot of folks on how to improve themselves, um, that's that's a good way of of being. And of course. Um, have a passion of creating content, which is um, yeah. uh, which is an uh, content can be in various forms, um, <clears throat> and um, may, when you see though you know the GitHub repos, uh, that's just one thing. Mm. But you know, creating nice tutorials with nice steps, that's a very important and it takes time and patience to create those in such a way that people, when they go through that tutorial, they actually That's learn right. something and, they, and all the steps are well connected. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't connect well the steps, people will be confused and frustrated. Like, how do I jump from this one to this one? Yeah. Is there some magic? And then they will have disconnected concepts and yeah, maybe abandon learning some of the technologies. I agree with everything you said. One of the things that I really liked uh, that not a lot of, because I've asked other people, you know, what do you tell them? One of the things you said is the, before forward thinking, looking at what's the next thing. I think that's a really good point. It's it's that understanding, it's kind of reading of the tea leaves sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Of understanding what the next thing is and to kind of be as much on that as you can. Uh, the other thing is the content creation. And, and, and I tell folks, don't wait to get paid to do it. You know, get, yeah. get, get it, that's the passion is there. Create a blog, create a repo, create a tutorial as much like you were saying. Um, I mean, that's, I know for us, we, you know, we see that it's like, okay, that's their passion about it. So I think this is great advice. Content creation can, as you said, can, can start not just by having the role. Um, and you are doing, I mean, we are doing this uh, apart from the Devra role for the reason of, of helping others not deal with the same struggles. I mean, that's how I started by sharing stuff so that yeah. I help others yeah. not dealing with the same struggles I had. So th there's no point because if people, if the entire humanity doesn't get to struggle with the same things, you yeah. know, we're going forward much faster. Yeah. That's the idea of sharing. Otherwise, if we all stay in our small uh, cubicle or square and not share anything with anybody, it's going to go way slower in terms of innovation. Agreed. Well, I know we're running out of time here. So I want to tell you, first of all, thanks a lot for, Thank for you. being with me. Great yeah, questions chatting. and conversation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thoroughly. I, I love talking to other DAs to see what life is like, what they're doing other technologies, hearing about that. So I, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, and uh, we appreciate you taking this time to listen to GoTo Unscripted from live from GoTo Amsterdam. 
right after Anna's uh, session, so uh, which I'm sure you rock uh, and appreciate it. And if you want to tell anybody, uh, you have any last minute uh, things you want to throw well, out? Well, uh, please uh, watch it. I'm probably going to probably be published at some point online because uh, there's a lot of goodness going on there. Besides the GitHub repo, there's some links to some books. Okay. So let's All right. It. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the GoTo Podcast. Head over to gotopia.tech to discover lots more content from the brightest minds in software development.